Well, hello everyone. Here we are again. It's our Wednesday lunchtime lives and I hope you're all um, feeling relaxed and you've got your cups of tea. I can see, I can hear a little bit of feedback. So if everyone's got good sound, if you could just say yes or no, that'd be great. I can hear a little bit of feedback. I'm not sure where that's coming from, but if any, anyone's got bad sound, then let us know and we'll see what we can do about it. We've all got headphones in. As always, we're very well behaved. Gary did have some of those ear pods in. We've had to make him go very uncool and put in. <laughs> We've had to make him go retro and put in old fashioned earphones now because they do work better. The um, ear pods lag a bit, so that's not great. Okay, thanks, Nadine. So that sounds good. So welcome. So today I have with me Gary James from Switchplane. And Gary will tell you what Switchplane is in a minute. It sounds really funky. Switchplane. Is it like surfing or something? Well, we'll find out about that. It's, uh, it probably sounds cooler than what it is, to be honest. <laughs> and we have Molly, who disappeared then but came back. So, and Molly is, um, she works for me at Pure. And Molly has been working on a wonderful how to sell your artwork online guide. <laughs> which will hopefully be available to all those who have um, already submitted to Art360. You'll get the link probably tomorrow. Um, so today we're going to be talking about marketing. Um, marketing online, mar you know, generally marketing, but the focus will be um, marketing online today because obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're all having to like work out how that works. So Gary... I met Gary, oh, three weeks ago. <laughs> it's a new relationship. We're in a new yeah. relationship, but he's already been showing me pictures of naked men. I'm not going to go there, Gary. But we're still courting, if you will. We're still courting. It's a new relationship. But we were introduced by um, our mutually wonderful mentor, Martin Riley, um, because Gary, for his business, wanted to do a podcast because he was looking at new ways of marketing for his company now that you have to go online. And Martin Riley said, OK, you need to speak to Leslie. Poor man. I mean, he didn't know what he was letting himself in for, really. <laughs> but Martin went, OK, you need to speak to Leslie. And I did feel quite sorry for Gary, really. <laughs> he said, um, could you just uh, have a chat? Can we have a chat? And can you just ramble on for a bit? And I was like, I am the world's best at rambling. And I did that, didn't I, Gary? Poor Gary. He's been lying in yeah, a darkened it, it room. Was over two hours. <laughs> over two hours of rambling. And I finally <laughs> edited that down to 18 minutes of audio, which is a miracle, to be honest. I feel cheated. <laughs> Become 18 minutes of audio in in their podcast. However, I was pleased to hear just now that lots of other people, having heard my podcast, lots of other people are jumping on and wanting to do a podcast. So I'm really chuffed with the fact that it worked. So yeah, that's how we met. And um, hopefully that podcast will go live um, in the next, I don't know, couple of weeks, I suppose. Yeah, by the end of the month. By the end of the month. Oh, okay, maybe four weeks. <laughs> I was over-egging that. <laughs> and then you'll be able to listen to me. And it's only 18 minutes, so that's got to be good, isn't it? He's cut it down quite a lot. <laughs> so um, today, how it's going to work is we're going to... Gary's going to tell us a bit about Switchplane, a bit about marketing generally, about how that works, because he is a guru. I've now made him a guru. don't know whether he knew he was that before, but he's now a guru. And... Bold claims, bold claims. <laughs> So he's going to talk to us about marketing because I know from Pure's perspective, as we um, hit the pandemic, all the conventional ways that we were advertising suddenly became redundant. So we would be doing, I wrote regularly for magazines and I was writing magazine articles on art and artwork um, for collectors and for artists every month. And I was doing that for like two or three different magazines in the real world in print. And I was doing a lot of face-to-face -face stuff, building relationships. We're doing a lot of private views. And private views are really marketing and PR, where you're engaging with your customers. So we're doing a lot of real-time stuff. And all of a sudden, we couldn't do any of that. And I thought, what on earth are we going to do? 
And so over the past 12 weeks, we created what I was describing earlier as a new bubble for Pure that we're playing in, which is these broadcasts, which are getting like, they started off at 300 people watching them. And now we've got 30,000 people all over the world watching them, which is so exciting. And hi, if you're watching us in Borneo, we're very excited to meet you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and wherever else, Australia. And we love Australia. We're happy to come and visit. If you want to book us, you can book us. We're, we're coming. We're coming. Pure, pure Arts Group <laughs> online. So, yeah, so we're doing that. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff on social media. And I've employed um, a, a girl called Sophie Douglas, who's, who's set up a whole social media plan for us. Um, we're doing a lot of relationship building on a one-to-one -one basis with our customers. So if um, someone comes on and they've, um, they've bought something before from us, I've been sending them personal emails going, is there, would you like to visit an artist studio in, you know, in virtual, et cetera. So we've been doing all that kind of stuff and, and we're getting really good engagement. So we've created a bit of a kind of big bubble for ourselves that we're playing in. And my, interest is how to break out that bubble but some people haven't actually got to making the new bubble yet so i think we're kind of interested um to hear what you've been doing what you would suggest and then obviously we'll bring molly back up in a minute and we can ask some questions so i'm gonna kind of hand the screen over to gary to just chat to us really about all of that and you know his experience and what he could bring to the party so we're going to bye bye to Molly for a minute and it's just you and me. And I will ask you questions as I go along. Um, you know, I'll make notes and ask questions. And if anyone's watching on Facebook, do um, drop your questions in and I will um, see them. And I will ask Gary those questions as well. But I'm keeping my phone over here because if it gets too close to the screen, we get that horrible buzzing noise. So we don't want that. And if anyone who's watching has got questions, please put them in the ask a question box at the bottom like you normally do. And then um, we'll ask them at the end. So don't uh, or you can put them in the sidebar and I'll move them across. But yeah, ask ask all the questions you want, because we have Gary, the guru. <laughs> here. How funny. <laughs> so over to you. Hi everyone, um, my name is Gary James. I'm not from the Southeast, if you didn't tell that from my accent. I'm an export from Scotland and I'm currently living in Hastings. I um, started working for Switchplane a year and a half ago in January, February, 2019. And, oh, sorry. Sorry, there was a bit of sound there as I found the live and um... And I'm sorry, I'm watching it for questions. So sorry, I've turned the sound off. Okay. Sorry, um, just, oh, I interrupted you. Yeah. That's all right. I yeah, Scotland. I joined Switchplane in 2019. <laughs> from Scotland, yes. I love haggis, I love iron brew, I love Tunnock's tea cakes. That's oh, all the crucial kind of gosh. questions. We love Tunnock's tea cakes. I had to buy a um I had to go to Booker's and buy a um family size box of tunnocks on the day before it locked down just i uh, just must have had six cents <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i've had a kind of varied background i studied journalism at university and um went on to study specifically at event marketing and from there i worked with a range of different mainly music festivals and helped them promote their festival to the different audiences that they were targeting. Um, I've kind of jumped about different industries within marketing, so I get bored quite easily, to be honest. And, um, That's why you went into so I've worked on. Yeah, yeah. So I've worked on a kids' TV show. They had a live kind of stage show across the UK, and I did the marketing for that. I've worked with them. Um, different music composers and done marketing plans for them. I've worked with tourism organizations and then I've kind of stumbled across Switchplane who are, and in a nutshell, they're a custom software agency. They work with kind of medium-sized clients and they build custom software for, for those clients on an ongoing basis. Um, and I had no real experience of marketing for tech. Um, I gathered a lot of kind of loads of different um, skills, but using it for technology was really, I found it really difficult to start with because I'm 
I, I, I went into a company who were very techy and spoke a lot of jargon, and I'm very much not like that. So I'd walk in and be like, what are you talking about? And I, I, it, it was getting them to break it down for me in really simple ways for me to understand. But that was actually essential because they were having problems communicating what they did with prospective customers. And I was just kind of like, if I don't understand, your customers are not going to understand at all. And so the first couple of weeks in my role was all about the messaging and branding and like, Everyone within the company thought the company did different things and they were using a broad range of words about what the company does. And I was like, well, if no one knows internally what you're doing, how can you tell external customers? So that was the big focus when I joined the company um, last year. Mm. Uh, from, from there, you know, Switchplane has kind of evolved and we are looking, we, we currently do um, projects for clients, but we're also building our own kind of promote as our own product instead of doing it for someone else. And so my role has evolved from there. Um, and it's a really interesting time for the company. It's really exciting. And I think, you know, COVID-19 has been horrible for lots of people. And like my partner experienced it firsthand and it was really scary. Like it was horrible, um, but it, it does, force you to make changes that maybe were in the back of your mind before, but has brought them forward and said, okay, you need to do this now if you want your business to survive in some cases. So it's been, it's, it's been challenging and hard, but a year to remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more that, um, you know, it's been horrible. And, and like you, you know, my husband had um, the virus and it was very, very scary. Um, fortunately like yours he, he's fully recovered now thank goodness but from a business perspective it does focus your mind and you know artists who you know our community they're all um individually having to experience a time when they can choose what they how they want to re react to this do they just want to sit quietly and make work and that's perfectly fine you know and we've said you've got to do it your way you've got to be you got to um approach this in your own way but i think the thing that resonated me with, with me there is, you know, how to describe what you do and messaging and branding and being clear and keep it in plain English. Now, one of the things that artists have are asked to do a lot is write a statement when they're presenting, when they're putting their work forward for an event or um, an exhibition or an open call. Pretty much the first thing they'll be asked to do is write a state, send in a statement and send some images in. And that always is a stumbling block. I get hundreds of emails at that point from people going, could you read my statement? Is it, what does this statement meant to say, etc.? And that's their brand messaging. And that being in simple English, as you said, what are you talking about? There was a culture yeah. in the arts world called Art Speak. Yeah. Um, for quite a while. I'm sure you remember it. Um, it's like, you know, make it sound as confusing and rubbish as possible so that no one can understand it. And it makes you sound good. Well, it doesn't actually. Um, if someone doesn't understand what you're doing, it might sound good if your aspiration is to just get in with an elitist group of artists and never sell anything. But buyers want to know your story. Yeah. They want to know your story in, in clear English. So you, uh, I mean, it's interesting because I went into events because I get bored easily too. So <laughs> I've so hit a nerve there. Um, but you were saying you did marketing for music festivals, which uh, can you name any of the music festivals that you, you worked um, on? So the most kind of prolific one that I worked on is probably one that no one will know. Um, it took place on Hastings Pier in 2017 and it was called Zoquarium. Oh, and I that was a project. So it was all about, it was commissioned by what was then Hastings Peer Charity mm. before mm. it got sold. And they were having trouble targeting and reaching out to young people because, you know, the peer isn't a place where young people want to go, basically. Mm. And so they, they had this idea of creating a music festival um, and wanted to target it to 14 to 25 year olds. And that's a broad group to target and market to because... 14 and 25 are two different people mm. um, and 
that we worked really hard on that. We had it was a brand new festival, and we had two thousand attendees on a marketing budget of about nine hundred pounds. It was, it, it, and it was a hard graft, but it really it showed to me what you can do if you think outside the box where you don't have unlimited budgets where you're like okay and I've been to work for companies like Google and Ernst and Young and they can throw loads of money at their problems but having that background in working with tiny budgets is really beneficial so that's interesting isn't it I, absolutely I remember that very clearly the Zooquarium and, and and I remember looking at the advertising and thinking this isn't for me it was definitely not you know I am not I just fell outside 26 <laughs> your catchment yeah. <laughs> yeah you know that yeah generally just um but what kind of things did you do then because that's a classic that's a classic situation in the art world that we've never got enough money um we're always working on a tiny budget we're always trying to get as much bang for our buck we're always yeah. trying to find um get to as bigger audience as possible with and we're prepared to put in the effort the artists are always prepared to put in lots of effort um but it's doing putting the effort in the right place, isn't it? It's like use your energy wisely. So, what kind of things did you do? Because you know that sounded like that had re had really good engagement for a very small amount of money, relatively. I mean, we we obviously invested in some social media channels, but that wasn't the key. The key was really about building connections with different people, and it. Uh, when I say different people, I mean schools, colleges, organizations, and they had to, going in cold, like no one knew what the hell we were doing. They didn't know we existed. The event had never run before. And so we had to really work hard to get past the gatekeeper, in the case of schools, um, high schools, to get through to like the music department or the drama department or the different departments. And um, that was a lot of work. That was a lot of graft of phoning people and not taking no for an answer in some cases. Um, but by building those connections and relationships, we did look at running the festival again the following year. And they, they were all beneficial to people attending the festival and looking to attend the festival in the future. But and it was basically building those connections. And like you know you can do social media posts fine but if you've not got an audience on social media to post to what's the point um, so, yeah so we had to find that audience first and educate the young people in this case about the benefits of the festival why you should come it was really cheap there was supplemented tickets there was loads of different benefits but just no one knew we existed and we we physically sometimes had to go to those locations and say you know I remember the festival organizer and myself, there was just two of us running the whole festival from marketing to booking our art, loads of different stuff. And to go and speak to assemblies of a thousand kids at a time. And it was horrible and scary because, you know, teenagers are scary. Um, but, and if you, know, you do it to the little ones, sometimes they wet themselves. I, I mean, I've been there, Derek, don't worry, I've been there. I've had to do presentations to school, uh, halls full of people and actually the little ones are more scary because they're not they're not they haven't reached the point where they won't ask you questions so yeah. they're like two and three year olds will stand up and like uh, excuse me and they've got questions but that's so important and we're always saying that it's about network you have to have the network and you always have to engage your audience so it's no point having a really good message if no one knows, if if no yeah. one's there and no one hears you. So actually putting in the effort once really well to build those relationships, to go out, to make a genuine connection, be interested, invest fully, can pay off for like five years in advance, can't it? Yeah, and it, it does take time. I'm not going to say you can wave a magic wand, send one email and you're going to be invited in the school. It's hard work and you've got to be like we kind of narrowed down into the schools and the classes that we wanted to target first of all and say can we have a conversation with the teacher and then once we spoke to the teacher then we the teacher would pass on the message to some of the kids but what what was quite difficult for us is we wanted the festival to be cool for kids and not something that mum or teacher says you should go to this because that's mm. not cool at all 
Um, and so trying to reach those kids without going directly to the parents was quite challenging. And through, you know, social media, the relationships built up with schools and doing a few other things, um, it, that's how we achieved it. Yeah through lots of like really hard work and and maintaining what your the essence of what you wanted to do was so you know keeping the fact always keeping in the front of your mind that you wanted to keep it cool and keep it yeah um yeah something that they wanted to go to yeah i mean i as i say you know i i ran a project a few years ago which was called battle heritage trails and we were funded by the arts council and that was meant to be community engagement with children and Again, we had to try and take into account safeguarding, but get the genuine, what do the kids want and get the genuine involvement. And and different age groups have diff will respond differently. And I think if you, you know, if we flip that now onto, you know, an art an artist's life, who is it they want to speak to? You have yeah. to make the message, what you're saying is make the message appropriate to the audience that you're speaking to. Yeah, and you know, th this session can be focused on social media fine, but the, every time I kind of advise with a new client, I always say, what's the point? Like, what are you trying to achieve? Like, getting followers, waste of time. Like, you know, they're not, <laughs> you, you need to work out what the real objective is for you being on social media. And then from there, you can figure out who your audience is. And then from there, you decide what platform, like Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever they're using. And those are the fundamentals before saying, right, I need an Instagram with 10,000 followers. And I'd be like, why? What's the point? Yeah, yeah. because we all know that if you have 10,000 followers, only a very small amount of those are going to see it. It's, it's for me, social media is a great tool when used well. Um, so only once you've got an engaged audience, do you then look to kind of further promote stuff. But actually, it's very vulnerable as a way of advertising. These things, these old school ways, as I would describe them, of making real relationships with people, really making proper human contact with people, will probably pay many thousands more dividends to you than investing all your waking hours being on social media trying to engage with an audience who at literally the switch, flip of a switch by the algorithm gods yeah may never know you're there again and um, you know one one social media platform like instagram might be really hot and popular right now but three years down the line after you've built an audience on there it might die out or it might not be as popular or your audience might change and so one of the kind of top tips i give with social media is yes use it to build an audience but get those people off of social media as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, you know, something that's never dying is email. So build email. up your email with, um, by kind of converting your social media followers into email subscribers, then the, you own them for life. You're not at the privy of Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Absolutely, and that's something that I always say. I say you always should have on your website, if you've got a website, you should always have a subscribe here. And, and once you've got your mailing list, um, I don't know about you, um, how you advise people, but how um, how would you say about regularly communicating with them? Uh, frequently, infrequently, you know, what do you have to say about, you know, the use of a mailing list? Um, so I think it's, if you can, it's best to segment people to say, this is group one, this is group two, this is like, you know, highly engaged buyers this is people who are just browsing like just just to start to segment your audience and say um i know who these different um categories of people are because that gives you more kind of um detailed targeting in the future so you can say to if you know a group of people already buy from you um you can send them a message first in regards to if you've got a new piece of artwork for sale and um from there they might they might be quicker to buy it than opposed to just people who are browsing who will look at it and think okay it's not for me um and i think the, the, i do it a lot at switchplay and we segment very detailed into potential clients current clients different categories of potential clients general kind of general filler 
Um, and then also looking at influencers. And when I say influencers, I'm not talking about like, you know, Kim Kardashian. We're talking about, <laughs> you know, local council members, local politicians, mm. people who have got a network to share. And if we send them some information that says, you know, Leslie, you're a councillor, says Leslie, share here, um, that that will get us more reach on that email mm. and promotion of whatever we're promoting. Mm. Mm. It's interesting. So Martin, hi, Martin and Pfizer are here. Um, and Martin's saying, absolutely. If you don't know what works face to face, it's very hard to sell online. In the end, you're still selling to a human being and you have to retain that in your mind, don't you? That yeah. it's a real person you're dealing with. You're not dealing with um, it becomes you become detached with social media. It just becomes a, a matter of how many times someone pressed a like button. And yeah. um, hi. <laughs> and um, I'll bring you up on screen in a minute, Martin. If you want to leave now, maybe run off quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's about all the stuff, as I was saying, all the stuff that happens in real time. And that's what I was describing at the beginning is how we were very much advertising in real time. We've taken all of that learning and we've managed to create a bubble very quickly yeah. in online because we've understood that we're still i mean all of this uses this running uh, all of this that we've developed like the broadcasting the bulletins um and the events are all using our mailing list so they're all based on our mailing list which is all segmented already so we've got a segmented into collectors artists general public um people who've bought in the last year etc um and it's mainly members who we target the broadcast that but then generally to artists um and then we do other things that are generally targeted to collectors because otherwise i would you know in the real world um i would say i would get bored i'm like oh god yeah. it's them again i was yeah. talking to someone just before we came on and i was saying about groups and um they said or oh, how do i use the group as opposed to how do i use my facebook page and i said well you consider the group as your best friends yeah your bffs and you talk to them like you're, they're your BFFs and you give them all the special stuff and you invite them around for drinks and, you know, do all of the really, like, lovely stuff with them. Whereas your Facebook page is just the guys you pass in the street. They, you know, you, you pass them in the street and they're, yeah. your, they're your, your acquaintances. But what you should be doing all the time is seeing how you can convert them to an email. How can, so with groups, yeah. I always recommend you have a questions at the beginning that say, would you like to go on our mailing list? Um, please put your email in here and then obviously you have to screenshot it to get the email but then you double check because of gdpr that they happen to go on your list but yeah all of those engagements you're looking to get them onto your email list so you can form a proper relationship, relationship yeah relationship with them that you like you would if you saw them in real time yeah yeah so let's let's see if um martin wants to come up on screen and have a little chat with us where is he he's oh he has a runoff you're still there martin <laughs> So, yeah, um, the social media thing, we're constantly asked social media, social media, social media. But actually, yeah. as you say, really, it, it will work if you treat it like you would a real relationship. But understand that it's not you don't have the power. You're, you don't own it. Facebook owns your friends yeah. and Instagram owns your followers. You don't own them. Whereas with the mailing list you they they're yours and they're yours to to build and um and look after and engage here he is hello Hi martin <laughs> <laughs> so you are really responsible for this uh, q a happening right now so I do you want to tell yes, everybody what you what you do martin uh yes i'm a, a business and leadership coach i work with businesses of all sizes really just helping them understand what their priorities are for the year ahead and then then get those action to make sure they actually turn into to true action i hope i'm a super client absolutely yes. <laughs> as, as our as our switch plane. switch plane <laughs> exactly yeah. and did with, you thank you martin you, you're my two favorite clients along with everybody else yeah right now we were two favorite clients in the virtual room with you now yes good job i that... finished my sandwich <laughs> isn't that interesting because really that is about i met gary through a, a forming a personal relationship with you that then you said he would be the right person for me that that's then broadened my network yep. he's now bringing added value to my network yep. and 
that's how it works. It's about real people. But let me add, the important thing is, I was asked the question, and I can't remember which way round this started, but one of you said, do you know somebody who, which made me think. Now, if yeah. you just go, do you have anyone I can sell to? You're never going to come up with an answer. It's a little bit like saying, what would you like for supper? Oh. You might come up with something, but if you go, would you like fish or would you like cheesecake? I don't know. Yeah. But you, you've got to focus people's minds and help them think. And, and one of you asked me about contacts and were quite specific in the sort of contact, which made me think, ah, oh, there's there's a connection between you. Mm. So yeah. it is about, and that's very much falls into my like coaching area, doesn't it? And your coaching area is about thinking yeah. about the question. Yeah, and focusing your mind, but you're focusing someone else's. So if you're trying to build your network, you want to be very specific what help you would like from them. Mm, mm. So networking is really important. What other things do you think, um, from your experience of your clients during this pandemic, what other things have been important to keep them at a good level of client engagement and ha happily moving their businesses forward? conversations and it comes back to this whole marketing experience you've got to know what people want and the only way marketing's about what you this is in my view and, and gary's the real pro here I'm, I'm just a generalist but it's always about you're trying to replicate what works with one person and trying to say well let me now convert that into reaching many people so in this crisis what i've done and encouraged a lot of my clients to do is don't just guess guess how your client's world has changed your customers have changed call them talk to them ask them find out what is different for you you know what are your greatest challenges right now what are you most worried about most concerned about or what are your opportunities right now that you're not sure how to move forward on and if you know specifically what they're trying to solve what they specifically need then you can offer it or say I can't help, but I know someone I might be able to put together who can. Mm. Yeah, my, no, understanding I... with with my understanding with marketing, what you're always trying to do is say, I found this conversation worked with enough people of this type, this avatar, this profile, I can now put this out to a much wider audience, Use, trying to replicate that conversation, trying to put the same thoughts in their mind saying, is this something of value to you? So I'm kind of trying to build the two thoughts, the sort of the COVID crisis and, and, and marketing together, because that's been the major challenge. People have wanted to offer services, but not known what. And you've got to find out specifically what do people need. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know one of the things we say all the time is listen. You have two ears and one mouth. Yeah. yeah. Listen more than you speak, because then you'll hear what genuinely someone's trying to say and I know we've just launched a new event as you're both aware called Art360 and that came out very much from me saying okay guys go and ask people what they want there's no point us creating something they don't want or they don't need go out and ask loads of artists what they're missing what they want and once I get all that information back I'll put my thinking cap on dush and see what I can come up with and you know that's where the Art360 event came from which was very much about they're missing open studios. They're missing having that opportunity to form the conversations directly with the buyers. They're missing that relationship thing. I was like, okay, how can we help make that happen? And so that's been picked up really quickly. And we're getting loads of submissions every day because it hit the nail directly on the head because we asked, instead of just putting something to them and going, here, this is what we've given you. We gave them what they asked for. And, um, and we listened and we weren't afraid of going, oh, that's not quite right. Oh, okay, we'll change it a little bit. Don't be afraid of changing what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you, Martin. That was great. And it's nice to see you. <laughs> we'll dip you. you back off and we'll see if anyone else has got any questions. Um, if other people have got questions, please do pop them in the ask the question box. Yeah. Um, uh, but we're going to bring Molly back up now as well and see if Molly's got some questions for you. Here's Molly. Hiya. Here's Molly. So Molly has been listening and obviously Molly being the one who's just written our how to sell online guide. What do you what have you taken from that conversation, Molly? I, I thought that was excellent. I thought everything you were saying about um, cultivating that list that will last. I thought that was really, really important because I get that with it's, it's almost impossible with Instagram and other places like Tumblr and things because they're so saturated yeah. with people that 
you know ev everyone's trying to you know become a famous artist and sell all their work which obviously you want to do but um the question i had was um one of the things we have is is people actually responding to emails and i saw somebody else put a question up about this yeah. and how to make that email really effective in what it's meant to do and there's there's really good um websites like mailchimp and stuff and they're really really you know beautiful you can make your emails look really nice but it's getting that response and that reaction to them do you have any suggestions um I, it's about, you know, I subscribe to a huge amount of email newsletters and I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, oh, we want to hear about the good, think, the bad and the ugly, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it, it's about, it, it goes back to like my problem with Switchplane at the start. It's how you communicate with people effectively. And I think if a certain type of people if you're giving them a medium of writing they have a tendency to ramble and it's not clear and it's not concisive and so the, there's a few kind of things that you can do the first is like you know what's your subject what's your email subject that you're sending because i i go through my email and just don't even read them i just click delete 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 and that's based on the sender and the subject of the e yeah. email if it's like you know Domino's Pizza, who email me regularly, it's like you know fifty percent off, Gary. I'll click on that. But if it's like <laughs> if it's like you know we're doing well, I'm just like yeah, delete. I don't care. Um, just as an example. And so the first is you know be really concise about your subject and what it is. And then secondly, making sure that you're not giving people too many options in your email. So what I mean by that, if you include you know, 20 different links and call to actions in the email. If you're saying, click here, check this out. Also, there's this other thing here. There's this thing here. It's about being clear and saying this, what's the purpose of this email? It's got one job. And the one job I want this email to do is send people to my website to read a blog post, for example. And so if it was that, I would do a summary of the blog post, an image, click here. That's it. And, and I think lots of people do this thing where it's like, we'll send out a monthly newsletter, which is fine, but it's also compiling a lot of information. And if, like what I do with some newsletters, I read them very quickly, I glance over them if I'm doing something else. And then I think, I'll go back and read that later. And the amount of times where I actually go back and read it later is bare minimum. And so I think it's not about putting all your information in one monthly email is about spreading it out and being clear from each email saying what do i want people to do with this email is it just me showing off is it you know me promoting a product is it what's the one call to action per email and being clear about that and i think as well as focusing on the types of copy that you're using and the subject and making sure you know it's not it's not 10 paragraphs long by focusing on these things, I think your email opens and click-throughs will increase. Absolutely. Yes. So do, do you think it's better then, especially during this time when um, you know, like galleries are you know, doing lots of online initiatives and things like that, do you think it's better then to send, say, five emails than one long one? Um, it depends over what period. I think don't do any more than twice a week because then you're getting into the spammy people will unsubscribe yeah. kind of category. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, it's happened with me. You know, I've bought from a company online and I'm automatically added to their email list because I didn't click a stupid GDPR button. And then from there, they will send me consistently, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And I'm like, oh god if i want to buy your stuff i'll buy your stuff like back off yeah. um and so i'll unsubscribe and so that's a bit it, like it, in the out. real world isn't it that's like in the real world if you bought something from a shop and every time you walked up the high street the person came out of the shop and ran into your face and went you're here again buy from me buy from me they just wouldn't do it would they no so why it's do they think they can do that online i don't get that emails about gently reminding your audience you want them to do something if it's pure for example you're gently reminding the audience you're part of a community check this new thing out or but it's not becoming too much where it's spammy people hate like regret to get your emails and then unsubscribe yeah we i mean we're very lucky molly does our email so they're very nice <laughs> <laughs> we do one we generally do one a month to everyone which is a community email you know 
this is what's going on in the community. Um, here's some things you might be interested in. And then we do um, one specifically either to the members or to the artists or to the collectors. And they're, they're the ones, as you say, that we should be doing just one thing. Yeah. Is that, that's how I'm interpreting. Yeah, and I think, you know, by segmenting your audience as well, you can be clearer with people. If you're just, con Leslie, if you're just reaching out to collectors, you can mm. have a clearer objective from the email instead of if you're sending it to everyone, you're like, okay, I've got to talk to collectors, general art community, yada, 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 and do that all in yeah. one email is pointless and annoying. And so if you segment and then send clear kind of what, what do you want this email to achieve to each audience group, I think that'll really help increase kind of open rates and responses and click-throughs. Yeah, when we say, so Julia's asking, when we say emails, presumably you mean MailChimp. Yeah, so we use MailChimp um, for ours. And if you keep them on a mailer, and when you receive, Julia, you'll receive the how to sell online guide in there. There's a whole range of different mailers that you can subscribe to, but they keep you GDPR compliant. So that is also answering Vincent's question about Data Protection Act. That's GDPR. So if you use a mailer, like MailChimp, and I can't remember, you probably can name some more, Molly, I can't remember anymore. Um, other ones, there are, there are about five we've listed in the um, guide. Um, it keeps it GDPR um, data protection compliant for you because people have to say they're happy and they can, to be compliant, you have to give always tell them where they can unsubscribe as well. Yeah. So Peter's saying, I still believe in the printed matter as it can be picked up and put down emails. You can forget to go. Absolutely, Peter. And I agree, as soon as yeah. we can go back to writing the articles and doing that, great. At the moment, all of the magazines that I was writing for, and I've been writing for for like 10 years, aren't, aren't printing. They're not, doing yeah, them. They're not even of, taking in, they're not paying any writers to write anything. One of the best marketing campaigns I did for Switchplane was at the start of the year. And it was sending local businesses who didn't know about us a Happy New Year card. And I got them printed and I hand wrote 200 over the Christmas holidays. And I sent it out and we got four new inquiries from that. And, you know, the type that we're targeting are medium sized businesses who pay considerable amounts of money on a regular basis. And from paying for stamps, print, and a little bit of my time, um, print does help cut through all of the digital noise mm -hmm. or it used to it it's become a bit harder because you know loads of publications are online publications now and if you send something to an office you don't know if that person's working from home or being furloughed so i'm a huge fan of print and i think especially as everyone's like digital 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 you can be smarter and say well if if everyone is investing in digital then i'll send something in the post instead I just did that, actually. Um, I received my, um, and have done for years, my weekly delivery of fruit and veg from Abel and Cole. And in Abel and Cole's box two weeks ago, they put in these beautifully printed car postcards. And I was like, wow, what a lovely thing. So I actually hand wrote them and sent them to a couple of people who I hadn't heard from and put them in the post. And I got lovely, every single one of them then messaged me to say thank you so much etc etc and i was like right we're going to do more of that that's definitely something we're going to do going forward is you know do more of this um send a send a beautiful postcard or a letter we always used to as um up until you know this time up until last year send all of our private view invitations out on gold edged um, in envelopes with the whole stamp with the pure seal on them and everything. And we were sort of like a, a physical, yeah. tangible product. Yeah, it was like a of, proper card yeah. that people could put on the side and they loved it. And we always, they would come to the private view holding the card. So we were known for getting massive uptake on our private views because we gave them a tangible card that they had put on their side and they felt like they were special. Yeah. And absolutely, that's something that I think we may have forgotten a little bit about. So thank you so much for reminding us about that because I think that's a really important thing to do some real um, printed stuff because we don't have, I don't have addresses for yeah. people anymore. I used to have a massive actual physical address book that I would go through, but it's yeah. not that difficult to get addresses for people. I and think I that's think Molly. Uh... My, uh, write, write a note, Molly. That's a job <laughs> for June. 
<laughs> just, just a little note on print, you know, like if you get something nicely designed and printed, printing is cheap and postage, if it's a card or a postcard, it's cheap and you can do it like, you know, we spent a couple hundred pounds on the Happy New Year campaign and gained, you know, X amount of clients paying thousands of pounds per month. And so if you convert how much you're spending versus how much you would spend on Instagram ads, which I can talk about a little in a second, then it's actually could be beneficial to look at alternatives. Yeah. To spend money on Instagram ads. I think this is great as well. Um, what um, Suzanne just said is some people keep the keep them and post them on social media. And I know I've done yeah. a lot of stuff with Suzanne um, um, in the past years about printing. You know, we've done a lot of books together, and you know, we're a big fan of print. But um, yeah, I think that's such a great idea. Send cards to value, as Nadine says, send cards to value clients. Um, she did it at the start of lockdown to check how how everyone was. And it's, yeah, free. Well, not quite free, Suzanne, because we do have to pay the time and the printing. and the. Uh, but actually, the conversion rate, as you say, is, is great. It's quite high from that. So I think yeah. that's something that I definitely have as a takeaway from this conversation is we can think about doing some you know in print stuff. We just need to get work out who the special people are that we want to. What is the message? As you said, think about the message. Just have one message and, you know, get there and design some cards. We've and, got obviously artists. Great. You know, I know I know the word for word what was in the handwritten in my car because it's been imprinted in my brain because I did it so many times. And it was literally this. It said, Happy New Year, nice card on the front. Open it up. It said, Hey, I'm Gary. You don't know me. But this time of year is sometimes a good time to start reviewing your business processes. If you want to chat about anything, give me a ring from Gary. Kiss and then flip it on the back, a link to our website. That was it. And I had, you know, people flooding my inboxes from sending 200 cards and it blew my mind. It really did. I, I was like, this is a bit of a hunch, to be honest. I didn't know yeah. if it was going to work. And I was like, it's a bit of a risk, but, you know, it was a good calculated risk yeah and it, it played out well and i think it is the thing there's so much digital email like email and social media and if you send a tangible product to someone it stands out because who doesn't like receiving stuff in the post be it even you know absolutely i mean i love i love receipt i've received a few cards from friends over this time and 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 it just lifts my spirits just makes me feel happy makes me think someone thought about me and that's really special absolutely and and then you can keep them as well and i've been putting them i've put them in my journal so one of my many journals in uh if suzanne um heaven's watching it's my uh, gemini print journal so in there I've got yeah little things that people have sent me and um, and I've kept them little receipts and things uh, just as a reminder of what's gone on and I think that is just a massive top tip that is like the lit literal gem thank you Gary that's absolutely brilliant so we've got a question here from Pfizer yeah um, Gary as someone from the event world how do you see events changing or evolving after COVID? We at Carrot are working on so many, so, I don't know, some or many possibilities, probably both. We do feel, however, that the world of events will come alive again. Yeah, absolutely. We need to be ready and innovative. What, what would you say about that? I think, yes, events will still exist after COVID. Um, people still want to meet in person. You know, Zoom is great, but it doesn't replace those in-person connections that you make. I think it will, you know, when when I joined Switchplay and we evaluated all the marketing that we did and events was the number one business driver across the whole company. And so when it happened, I was freaked out and scared. It was horrible. I was like, God, we've planned to go to four or five big national events across the UK in 2020 and all of those got cancelled or postponed. And I was like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> like, what the mm. hell? And I think... I think events will come back. Um, I mean, I'm not an event expert, but I think people still want in-person interactions. It could be 
I think the biggest problem the events industry will have is fear of people once COVID is over, you know, it might not be over, but um, is the fear of getting people to come outside and attend things again. It's not the, I, I think the safety measures put in place will be fine, but I think it's the people's fear getting them to attend something will take a big push to get them out the door. I think you're absolutely right. I think it, it is that psychology, isn't it? Because we, it's been going on for so long. If it was just a couple of weeks, I think it wouldn't have had any impact at all. But it takes 21 days to make a habit. And we've had, we're have had we going to have like 21 weeks. It's yeah. going to be quite hardwired into us. I think outdoor events um, will be a good thing because people will be less anxious. They yeah. know that they can meet and gather outside. So I think looking at, in the first instance, doing things that are outside will be a good yeah. idea. Yeah, I think and that's I a good show. And from kind of sorry to interrupt. Sorry. No, no, um, that's fine. But like with Pfizer's point about, you know, anything innovative to do, it is looking at these like, you know, people feel comfortable outside. And I know Pfizer's based in Eastbourne by the beach. So is there nothing that she could do for business events but outside and looking at you know i saw a thing about net walking and like different stuff like that it's saying how can i help my business survive as an events company but also adapt to people what people want as well and i think by focusing on outside events especially now we're in summer um and starting to try different things and not being scared to try them and mess them up um, you know, like the print campaign for Switchplane, I was like, can I have £400 worth of budget, please? And I don't know if this will work. Mm. They could have been like, no, go away. And I'd be like, well, actually, blah, 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 Scottish yeah. stuff. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, have, no. a, have a whiskey. Oh, they've given me the money. <laughs> yeah. But they, they had that trust in the process that I kind of presented to them. And without trialing that, we, we wouldn't have known it would have worked. And so it's having no, a little I, bit of like try try stuff. I think absolutely. And what we did with the broadcasting was I said, okay, guys, I'm going to take a bit of a punt. I'm going to buy a webcam. I'm going to give it a go. And if after two weeks it's absolutely terrible, we'll put the webcam on eBay and we'll never talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Never speak of it again. And actually, no, it's been great. And I have learned along the way how to do it. And, you know, and I'm now being able to connect with new people who I never would have met in the real world as a result of it. And people are coming to me. I was approached by a company in California the other day saying, would I consider going on podcasts out there? And I was like, oh, yeah bring it on <laughs> and would yeah. I have some of their people on on my broadcast and I was like oh hell yeah bring them on I you know yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to try anything once and I do think that's it it's like whatever it is think about the psychology um it is going to be a fear thing what can you do so I could go online and I have already booked a venue to do a course in September that I can socially distance the course so I booked a venue that ordinarily would take 300 people for 20 people. And, I'm, and and it's got big doors that I can open so it can be effectively outside. If it's the weather's bad, if the weather's bad, I'll be inside a bit, but outside. And we'll give it a go. And if no one turns up, we'll never speak about it again. No one, yeah. nothing happened, nothing to see. But we'll just give it a go on a, you know, do one at a time and then gradually work out what it is that works and what it is that doesn't. So hopefully... Pfizer, that gives you an answer to that question. The Leslie, next... I did want to, I did want to quickly yeah. say about, uh, just because I've not You've spoken got loads about of questions it. Then. <laughs> so quickly. In Instagram, oh, um, yes. there was there was a mention before of like Instagram is um, overpopulated and it's hard to stand out. Yes, it is. Um, I'm not. I'm going to be upfront about it. Instagram is owned by Facebook, if you didn't know, and so. What I would recommend is, as I said before, trial and error with potentially Instagram advertising. And any advertising that you do will be run through Facebook's advertising platform. So there's two things that people can research in their own time to check out. The first is called lookalike audiences. And that's where, especially if you, if you have an email newsletter, you can upload data and um, Facebook and Instagram will match that with people who they think are similar to your current 
um, audience that you have. So it's a way of finding a brand new audience and then you can target those people with ads. And one thing to note about Facebook and Instagram ads, they can start very cheaply. You can have a budget of five pounds per day and test it for a couple of days to see what happens. And so that if people are interested in advertising on Instagram to stand out from the crowd, then there's lookalike audiences, which is a way of finding new audience members who could potentially buy from you in the future. And then secondly, there's um, called retargeting ads, which is, you know, let's say you've got an online shop or you sell on Etsy, um, loads of people, are looking at not converting i.e adding it to checkout entering the card details and purchasing um you can set up ads that say okay leslie you've been to the etsy page um you've added it to your basket but you've not checked out you can i can target you leslie and say come back and check out and so those are two things to check out Don't if people are there's <laughs> two things to check out if people are interested in more oh, okay. Instagram specific ads. And you know, if you've got time, like Leslie, I can do another session on social media ads in general if that's going to be beneficial. That would be really us. helpful. Yeah, I think we'll, what we'll do is we'll book Gary to come back and just talk about social media ads because you guys have got lots of questions here. So let's get some questions done before we finish because it's um, already five to two. Told you, Gary. Gary was a bit worried that we wouldn't be able to fill an hour. Oh, no. I can, I'm, a, I'm a good girl at talking. <laughs> So, should newsletters not have various connected subjects about your artwork, for instance, but one subject, one artwork or exhibition, or is it okay to send general news with no call to action other than links to your website? Hmm. Um, so, the, should newsletters have various connected subjects, but one subject? Like so, one if artwork. it's if it's if it's a connected subject then fine but i just my my point is just about don't dilute what you're sending to them and um you know it's fine to send something where there's no call to action if the objective of the email is just to um reach out and let them know what you're doing but by having those links to your website it would it not be more beneficial to actually say check out my website or 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 something that you want to achieve because if you're just sending general news and you don't want them to do anything why are you sending it like what's the point in sending the general news if there's not something objective that you want that person to do mm, yes i i get that so it's like you can send a general, like I was saying, you know, Pure will send a general bulletin out once a month with general news. And that's just to keep people aware that we're there, that we're on their side, that we're thinking of them. It's like the general Happy Christmas card. Happy New Year, as you say. But yeah. then if we've got a specific call to action about one thing, we'll just send one email to the people who we want to talk to about that. Say it's collectors. We wouldn't send it to artists if we're just trying to sell something. We sell it, send it to the collectors and have one call of action. So it'd be in the subject bar, um, you'll be interested in this, or it's a, I don't know, Molly Molly can work out on the subject bar. Um, and so make people open them. I always used to put my name. I'd it'd be from me, and it, so in the email, and then I'd have from Leslie Sams. And I got the biggest uptake of people opening emails from us when the subject title was from Leslie Sams. Yeah. I don't know whether that's because it's, they're it's, like, oh, I know her. I'm going to open Yes, it. it's the personalization again. Like when when I send out Switchplane company emails, they don't come from info at switchplane.com. They come from Gary. Yeah. And that's that's it's just another thing of like no one wants to interact with a faceless company. They want to interact with a human. And I know you said it earlier and Martin said it earlier. But especially when everything's digital, you want to show your personality, regardless of through how you're communicating, like social media, email, anything that you do, it's about showing you're a human. Yeah, so I think that's why that worked. And I do that a lot now. I'll put from Leslie Sams and we get, you know, good, uh, we get like 60, 70% opens. Whereas if you send, um, bull this is a bulletin, you get like 20% open. So, you know, it, it's not rocket science, is it? It is, as you say, you know, make it personal all the time. Try and make build on that personal relationship 
Um, can you talk about budget for printed matter? Mm. Well, very quickly, yes. So we got cards printed. They were 200 quid, I think, for cards. We bought 200 stamps, so that was another 150 quid or something. And then, so that was a total of 350 pounds um, for the campaign. You can do a smaller amount. I just wanted to do 200. Um, and we had a list of people to target. Um, and then you just need the time to handwrite them. And I would recommend handwriting them because if it's printed by a printer, the, the actual message, it looks like mass kind of spam. But the thing that really sticks out is the handwritten, even if your handwriting's awful, like mine, I'm like... Like, I mean, it was a way of standing out and saying, oh my God, someone send me like a handwritten card. Who the hell is this? I know, when yeah. I, I know when I receive things through the post and the envelope's handwritten, I'll open it. Whereas sometimes when the envelope's pre-printed, I'll think, oh, that's rubbish and just chuck it away. So, mm -hmm. you, have, you know, that's another great way of attention grabbing because people don't generally receive handwritten. You think, oh, that's a card from somebody I know. And it yeah. takes effort. So that's not actually going to cost you any money apart from your time. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully that answers. And if you're... Um, printing bigger things and obviously the budget is going to get bigger but yeah if you're going to do cards it, about a pound a card i would say is what you're budgeting at and then the yeah. stamps um okay the next question is from denise bliss and it's i've recently introduced gift cards for people to purchase so that friends or relatives can choose their own piece of jewelry do you have any suggestions as to how i could promote these um are the gift cards to be bought as a gift for someone else? Yes, I guess. Uh, gift card. So it's a bit like a gift voucher, isn't it? You buy it and you yeah. send it to someone and then they can use it to buy something from Denise yeah. that she's making. Right, okay. Um, let me have a think. Gary's going to have to have a think about that one. And what we'll do, Denise, is if you drop your email into the chat at the side, say where it says say something nice. If you drop your email in there, he'll he'll drop you an email about if he can come up with an idea for that. Hopefully There's that definitely helps. things that you can do. I just don't have them to hand. No, you need to kind of think about that one, but that's all right. Drop yeah. your email in here, Denise, and um, we'll email you about that one. Yeah. So how do you feel, there you are, it's in the sidebar now. How do you feel about a gallery having an open event in the next month or so? How do we feel about it? Well, it's not, a, um, that's kind of down to the government guidelines. I think if you had an opening event in the next month or so, you're going to have to do it socially distanced, which means you'll only be allowed to have one, because what the government have said is you can open retail galleries on the 15th of July. So if that's what you mean by a month or so, um, 50, you won't be able to do it until the 15th of July anyway because you're not allowed to open a retail gallery. On current guidelines, they're saying 15th of July for retail galleries. And then you will um, have to do it socially distanced. So your open event will be one person coming in at a time or two at the most, depending on the amount of space. Um, I think what I would do, if I'm being perfectly honest, is I would use Gary's card situation and I would invite people for timed slots. So I would have you and the artist there, as long as the space is big enough for, to get six feet between each of you. Um, I'd have you and the artist or our two artists, however, is in the opening show. And then I would send a personalised invitation timed. Please come and join us at one o'clock. And then the next one, please come and join us at 1.30 and make it very clear on the invite. Um, you've been given a 30 minute private slot. So please RSVP to say whether you'll be taking up your slot or not. And I do I it like that. So it makes it really personal and, you know, talking directly to them. So they know that they're very special and they've been given this personal time. That's how I would consider doing it. Yeah, and just a note on top of that, I'd also communicate what you're doing to, in regards to coronavirus and social distancing, be very clear saying, you know, we will only be 
X amount of people or, or something just to put people's minds at rest a bit instead of if someone received it and is like oh god I'm going to be there and there's hundreds of people there instead of like there's going to be six of you per session I think that will encourage people to potentially attend and also say what measures you're taking like in between each session we will be cleaning the gallery and wiping the handles down and all of that so that people feel really safe because it's the fear isn't it yeah. so it's making them feel special and making them feel safe. And that's how I would um, consider approaching that. And that's how I would consider approaching all events going forward for the time being. Even when they say we can do them, I'd still approach it in a very personalised, small manner of yeah. only a few people at a time. Very much, I will talk to you. And actually, what an amazing experience. If you're doing an event, you can do it run it it's going to be exhausting for us event managers because you'll run it over instead of over an hour you're going to be running it over three days it can be absolutely exhausting you have to drink a lot of gin um but um that said it'll be really worth it and those people will get genuine relationships with you and more likely to buy yeah. actually if you do it that way um we have to remember you always have to follow the government guidelines and you always have to also be respectful of how other people might feel. You might feel perfectly safe, but if someone else doesn't, then that's not working, is it? You have to make sure that we always consider everything from multiple perspectives. So, yeah, the more information you can give. Do you have anything to add on that, Molly? Because obviously you're working at Rye Art Gallery and Wing Art Gallery. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good idea. I was just thinking about how we could implement that ourselves. <laughs> She's, nicked, she's already nicked me idea look at that peter get in there quick do it first and i'd like it trademark leslie sams please could all the cards that go out on these new socially distanced pv say our courtesy of leslie sams at pure arts group thank you oh thank you guys that has been absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant session learned so much some things i already knew but i needed to be reminded and isn't that always the way you just need someone to remind you Gary, you've been amazing. You didn't even show your calendar. Do you want to show your calendar now? No, don't do it. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. You can't do virtual CPR. He's got a calendar of naked men. I'm not telling you. Um, I'm not telling you any more about it. But Come back next, for the next session. Next to check that out. I'll have Gary back in October. So we're going to run these through to the middle of July, and then we'll have a break. Then we're going to do the Art 360, which will be every day we'll have artists on. And then in October, we'll do some more sessions. So, Gary, you're booked. You're in. You just, made the just, cut. Yeah. Just one last thing. I it, When I come back in October, it'd be really good if you could let Les any types of topics that you want me to talk about because it, it has been really fluid but if you're like I specifically want to know about this one thing then it gives me more of a list to come with next time that'd be That's brilliant all. so you've got Denise's number to help her with her little problem yeah. and guys when I put this up next time um, if you can let me have question specific areas that you would like um, Gary to cover that'd be absolutely brilliant thank you both very much thank you martin for coming on thank you everyone for all the questions if you're watching us in papua new guinea goodbye i don't know how to say that in papua new guineaist whatever that is <laughs> and uh, thanks molly and in two weeks time so next week we've got ryan stania from the other art fair talking to us so if you've got questions for ryan please let me know those in advance and it'd be interesting to hear what he's doing about events because obviously they're running them all over the world and then the week after that molly will be interviewing the formidable and hilarious Seridwin Jane Grey artist. So please put wait. a date in your diary. <laughs> I won't be here that day. Um, I'll be uh, in the background, but I'm running another event that day. So um, Molly's taking the chair and I'll just be down in the background for you. All right. Thank you all very much. And we're going now. We only ran over around eight minutes. And quite frankly, I'm very proud of us for that. <laughs> all right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.